I told you last week that we'd have um, at least two parts to this series, this teaching on creeds. And so um, as we're in this remix series, we talked about, remember, like dad jokes and dad wisdoms and how dads would they give us things that we can remember and kind of build our lives upon. And that's kind of what creeds are all about, right? So when I say creed, I'm not talking about that movie or I'm not talking about that band. We're talking about these these fundamental foundational truths that we know. Last week we said this, that when you heed the creed, you'll have what you need. You may not have all that you think you need, but you'll have what you need, right? And so I want us today to start to dive into um, not just what is a creed, but what's the purpose of the creed. So again, think about dads, think about the wisdom that they gave you, but what we're talking about now is not our earthly fathers, but we're talking about spiritual fathers, like the early church fathers. And so dads today, they might give us life principles, life hacks, but the early church fathers, they've actually given us spiritual truths that we can build our lives on. They're not meant to be comprehensive. Next week when we talk about the Apostles' Creed, you'll see that it's not comprehensive, but it's clear and it's common. And just so we all are on the same page, last week we talked about a couple examples. Remember we talked about keep pounding, Panthers fans, right? That two-word creed, it brings us back to what matters most. We may not agree with every move that the team makes, but we can always agree that we are fans of the team. And when we hear those two words, it rallies us and it unites us. Um, I talked about Ephesians chapter 4. Don't want to re-preach that message, right? But I want to make sure that you know that the creed that we talked about in verses 4 through 6, when Paul talked about all those seven ones, like, you know, one faith and one spirit and one body and one Lord, when he talked about all that, that was his way of saying, look, in the context of verse 1, you have a life to live and it needs to be worthy of the call. And in verse 2, he says, and here are the tools that you're going to need to live that life. You're going to need to have humility and gentleness and patience. You're going to need to make allowances for one another because Paul understood, like, humanity, right? If you're in the same room with just one other person, you're going to bump up against each other, and you're going to need those tools to live the life that's worthy. Because what's the goal? Verse 3, the goal is that we would keep the unity of the Spirit. And so Paul says, look, if that's the goal, then creeds are one way that you can do that, right? So I want you to think this through today as we talk about the purpose of creeds. What we're going to learn is there's, I'm sure there's lots of purposes, but I can think of at least two purposes for creeds. But the overarching reason that we have creeds is to keep us unified in the Spirit. When we say, hey, we might not agree with everything but we can agree on these specific things. And that's the point of creeds. All right, so there's at least two purposes. You could probably think of more, but here's the two that I've got. Number one, creeds help us learn what matters most or possibly even remember what matters most. Last week we talked about how creeds are like a touchstone, right? So you learn them, but then as you go through life, when you remember them, you come back to that touchstone and you remember what matters the most. Um, creeds were considered useful for helping believers take all of the Bible and boil it down to the very most essential truths. So as an example, the Bible that I'm holding now, depending on which version you use, it has over 750,000 words. Think 783,000 in the King James to be exact. 
That's a lot of words, y'all. And if I said, hey, your assignment is to memorize the entire Bible, how long would it take to memorize the whole Bible? 750,000 words in the whole Bible. Now, we would all agree that the Bible is important. Every last word of this is important. There's even verses in the Bible about not doing away with even a jot or a tittle, the very smallest strokes of a pen when it comes to the Bible. But to take all of that and try to memorize it is difficult. So what the Apostles' Creed, the creed that we'll look at next week, do you know it took 750,000 words and boiled all of it down to 105 words? And the reason that they did that was because it allowed new believers to say, I believe in the message of the Bible, even before they knew all of the Bible. So when they were going to be baptized, the Apostles' Creed was a way for believers to say, well, I'm still learning, I'm still growing in my faith, but I do know this. And they could quote the Apostles' Creed, and it helped them to learn what matters most. Now, the creeds, they don't discount the whole, they summarize the whole. So we wouldn't want to just talk about the Apostles' Creed. We wouldn't want to discount the Bible and only talk about those 105 words. They summarize what this is all about so that we have a starting point to begin to learn what's in the Bible. Um, Augustine said this. He said that the central teachings of Christianity are scattered here and there in Scripture. So the ancient churches summarize Scripture's core doctrines and creeds. This was what he said. That ensured every believer, even what he called slow, which he meant uneducated believers, it allowed every believer to affirm and hold fast to the fundamental teachings of Scripture. Like, okay, but what about now, right? What do we do now? Now we're not the early church. So one scholar, his name is Dr. Paul Chang, this is what he said. I'm quoting. He said, we should continue to use the creed, the Apostles' Creed, because we can't require people to understand the whole Bible before we accept them as Christians. The Apostles' Creed still summarizes the essential teachings of the Bible in a simple way. And for this reason, he said, it must continue to be used even now. Think about that word essential. Now that's a word we've heard a lot of lately, haven't we? Essential workers, right? And so if you're, if you're on the non-essential list, then your business isn't open, you're not going out, and essential doesn't mean that you're not essential. It doesn't mean only these people matter. When, when we say, hey, only essential workers, what they're saying is the people that we need to have out helping people to live, right? And so essential doesn't mean the rest is unimportant. It just means that right now, this is what matters the most. And so creeds help us identify the most essential parts of the faith. So saying that one is essential doesn't discount everything else as unimportant. Quick example, and we'll move on to purpose number two. If you've ever lost your job, and I hope that never happens, but reality says that all of us at some point will lose our job. And if you've ever lost your job, isn't it amazing how Netflix ceases to be essential? It's not that Netflix is necessarily terrible. It's just that in that season, you're like, you know what? I'm going with my budget and I'm not gonna pay for that. And I'm not gonna pay for that. I'm gonna, I, because I'd rather eat, right? I'd rather have power. And so it becomes unessential. That's what creeds do. Creeds help us kind of see through all the things that in the moment aren't essential. But if we get these right, these 105 words from the Apostles' Creed, if we get Ephesians chapter four, verses four through six, if we get those right, then we're good, right? Like I said last week, if we heed the creed, we'll have what we need. And here's purpose number two. 
It helps us grow with who matters the most, even when we don't agree. So one purpose is it helps us to learn what matters most, and a second purpose of creeds is that it helps us to grow with who matters the most. We've got to keep reading through Ephesians chapter 4. So we've been in this chapter for a while now, and we're going to keep reading. Um, I want you to see that creeds, when we know what we all believe, creeds allow us to grow together with people who agree with us on the goal, even if they don't agree with us on the game plan. Now, we've been talking a lot about football. It's probably because I miss sports. But in football, the team agrees on the goal, which is winning, even if they don't always agree about every part of the game plan. And so when it comes to creeds, they allow us as a body, as, as a body locally and as a body that's a part of a universal worldwide church, it allows us to agree on the goal of our faith, even if we don't always agree on every part of maybe a game plan that could be unique to an individual or to an individual body. So here we are in Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to talk, start talking in verse 11. It's talking about Jesus, and here's what it says. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now let's stop there for a second. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus gives five specific gifts to the body, and they're not all going to agree about how things should be done. I want you to see that. Because sometimes I think we, we believe that unity means we all have to look the same. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is agreement on the goal, right? Unity at the gathering is, yes, we believe that we are called to become disciples, right? It's not an agreement on every way that we do it. It's an agreement on the goal. And so Jesus said, I've given you these five gifts and their job is to prepare God's people for works of service. And they're not all going to agree exactly on how that's going to be done, right? So verse 13, here's the goal that we have to agree on. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul says this, different gifts are going to have different approaches, but when we know when we know what matters most, verses 4 through 6, then we can come together, even if we have different approaches, and we can unify around that goal, and we can begin to move together towards that goal, even if we have different approaches, because we have the same goal of unity and maturity in the faith and in the body. And here's what that looks like, verses 14, 15, and 16. Verse 14. It looks like having a stable body. Here's what Paul writes. Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. When we have unity, when we allow those different gifts to prepare us and mature us, then what happens is we become a mature body that's a strong, stable body. Verse 15, we become a mature body. He said, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him, who is the head, that is Christ. In verse 16, he says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Listen, creeds help unify us around that goal so that we can see verse 16 become a reality, which is a functioning body. 
We're never going to accept the different parts if we aren't united on the plan. And creeds allow us to grow with who matters the most. Last week, I told you that when we heed the creed, we'll have what we need. And so this, this week, I want to give you a, a big idea that's similar but changes one word. When we heed the creed, we'll have who we need, right? Creeds allow us to grow together even if we're not the same. Can I give you a really, really quick example? I don't mean that we'll have who we need, like creeds are so rigid that we go, well, let's throw you away because I'm not sure that you, met, you fit here. Creeds actually allow us to open up the parameters and say, look, within these parameters, if we can agree on these, then come on in here and we can work together, right? Let me give you a quick example in church history of how this has happened in a bad way. When we can't agree that we have different approaches, I know people who in my, just in my short lifetime working in churches, I know people who have had a calling as an evangelist and they have a very unique perspective on how churches should function, right? And I'll tell you this, when you have the gifting of an evangelist, no pastor, no teacher is ever going to give enough altar calls. Never. They're all, you're always going to be frustrated because what you see through your gift is not going to happen enough, right? And so what happens so many times is because the body can't appreciate the different gifts in love and in unity surrounded and unified around that one creed. If we can't appreciate the gift, then what happens to that evangelist is he or she's like, well, I guess I'll just go out and start my own ministry. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? Like there's sometimes that God calls us to do that. But when we have to leave the body to start something like that, then what happens is the body is now even weaker because that voice of the evangelist is removed. How about prophets, y'all? Can we just agree that the gift of prophecy is weird, right? And so what happens is when the gift of prophecy is not allowed to function, when prophets can't find a place in the body to help mature the whole body to fullness, then prophets aren't appreciated and they end up being silenced or they can't speak or they leave. And so then the body is diminished because it loses that voice. That's not what God had planned for us. He doesn't want that to be the end result. And so how can creeds help us? Creeds help us know who matters most. And when we agree on the goal, then we can walk together in unity towards it. Even if we all, and we will, have different ideas about how that should happen. And when verse 11 and 12 and 13 come together, y'all, it's a beautiful thing. And the world sees that and they say, how in the world could these people who are so different still function together and not only function, but thrive and succeed? And the answer of the church to the world is, only Jesus could have done that. Only Jesus could have done that. When we heed the creed, we'll have who we need. And I wanna call you this morning to that. I want to call you as the band leads us in this final song to spend some time and ask Jesus this. Is, am I having a hard time getting along with people that I should be able to get along with just because they don't see it the way I see it or maybe they don't do it the way I prefer but we actually hold Jesus in common? And if that's you, man, I just want to ask you to just repent. Ask God to forgive you and begin to see the value in what holds us together more. One faith, one Lord, one spirit, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all of us, 
holds us together, and that same Father sprinkles gifts onto the body and says, look, because you have unity, now I'm going to give you diversity, and you're going to be stronger as a result. And I want you to thank the Lord for that as we close this morning in worship. And if you've never decided to follow Jesus, I'm telling you, you're not going to find a family that will love you more than the family of God, even as different as we are. And I want to call you to repent and ask him to forgive you of your sins, thank him for what Jesus did on the cross, and let your new life start this morning as the team sings. Oh, you're never gonna 
guys, thanks so much for being with us today um, and worshiping with us online. Again, if you're here for the first time, we'd love to connect with you. Just text um, the word hello to the key to the number that's below me on the screen right now. And we would love just to start a conversation with you and start a, a journey with you as we walk with Jesus together. Uh, we are so excited again to be back with you in just a little bit over one month, August the 2nd. We'll have two services at 9 and 11. We'll be giving you a lot more information about that. We can't wait for that moment. In the meantime, join us on Wednesdays here in the building for In His Presence. It's just 30 minutes being with the Lord, being in His presence of wor just worship and prayer. And make sure that you're in a worship circle. Listen, if you're watching this by yourself, make it your goal that this time next Sunday, you're not gonna be sitting by yourself. Pick up the phone, give, shoot a text to somebody that you know from church or somebody that you know from your neighborhood and invite them to your house or go with them to their house and enjoy this together, eat some food together, drink some coffee together and be together. That's the win. And when we do that, we're going to be even stronger when we pop back in the building on August the 2nd. We love you guys. We're so thankful to serve a church that allows us to lead you and listen to the Lord and put you in the best position to succeed and to be loved and to be safe as we go through this crazy season called COVID-19. We'll see you next week.